Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I am joined by Kevin Graham. Kevin, you have appeared on a Celtic State of Mind from the very first episode, and you're in on a Monday to have a look at the bulletin. Have you got anything positive for us? You got anything positive in the world of Celtic for us to kickstart the show? Let's Duffy. Shane Duffy. Shane Duffy. Right. He's had a a rough couple of weeks, and it was very pleasing. Of course, it was very pleasing to see him yesterday play really well for the Republic of Ireland mm-hmm. and look look like the Shane Duffy that we wanted, even though the Republic had um, a, a bad result. Um, if you watched the game, I'm, I'm sure many of our viewers and listeners did watch the game, 
he he was Ireland's best defender and probably Ireland's best player on the day. Uh, they're going through a bit of a rough patch at the moment at Republic Island, but he, he was a, he was an absolute leader for them yesterday, right? And it was really really positive and good to see. And obviously, we're sitting here in another COVID outbreak. Well, no outbreak, but we. The two Norwegian guys have got, uh, got could to, be a bit of a crisis. Yep, I've got to quarantine. Eh? So uh, you're probably looking at Duffy playing. I, I think we should probably err on the side of Duffy's going to need to play on on Saturday because mm. it looks like the two Norwegians will have to quarantine. Eh? So it was really good to get get him a wee bit, eh, see him get a wee bit of confidence, especially uh, like have a decent game. Oh, definitely, Kevin. See the thing going into the the international break, we were speaking about how can this international break benefit Celtic, and one of the things that we actually did say was that uh, we could potentially have a situation where, you know, Shane Duffy goes out and has has a couple of good games, rebuilds that confidence, and you know he can maybe then slot back into the Celtic side because a lot of that. I think a lot of it is down to the confidence at the moment. And, uh, you know, if, if Duffy goes out there and has a, a cracking game for his country, uh, he's got another game coming up, you know, hopefully he'll come back uh, as the player we thought we were getting a couple of months back when we signed him. It is looking likely against Hibs that Shane Duffy will need to line up due to yet another um, breakout in the Celtic camp whilst on international duty. Feeling a wee bit hard done by when it comes to this, Kevin, because again, El Yunusi's flying. Ayer seems to be for me, he's a keystone in the in the um in the defence. And both of them are out. I mean, on the flip side, Alhamid's coming back a wee bit earlier because he was sent off. He won't be playing against Scotland for Israel. Um so he's going to be coming back earlier. And, you know, we've got Scotland players who we'll go on to talk about who obviously is going to have plenty of minutes in their legs as well. I don't know if that's a good, bad or or otherwise uh, thing for the, the likes of McGregor and Christie who are playing a lot of games. But let's, let's concentrate first of all on the two Norwegians. I mean, um, I don't think it's been confirmed exactly yet, but it is looking like they're going to be in quarantine by the time we face Hibs. International football, and why we have an international football during a global pandemic, especially when this was, I'm right in saying it was a friendly game. It wasn't. It wasn't like a Nations League game. It wasn't a, a competitive international football uh, fixture. So, what was the point of having international friendlies during mm, this time? I know. Getting football players out their bubble, and it is a bubble that they're absolutely loving it. They are loving it, and we've got to remember that it can be quite hard on them. Uh, it's hard on everybody it's, uh, during this time, but you're meeting you're, you're meeting players from other bubbles. And you're just seeing it as rife now, and we're probably the Norwegian FA probably took the right decision very, very quickly, mm-hmm. and the game was cancelled. But again, if we go another international break, and we're going to get disadvantaged as soon as we come back out of it. Well, the, we go the back. Coaching staff and the club must be going. What what have we done this year? Mm-hmm. Why why are we getting all this bad luck? When it com- comes to this, and other clubs all over Europe are, are getting away scot free. Not that we want any player to become ill, not that we want a- any club to be um, disadvantaged by this horrible, horrible virus. But You're a victim of your success because we've got so many players out on international duty, Kevin. 
you know, you look at the amount that we have against maybe another club in Scotland and we're going to be hit because we've got so many players on international duty, be that for the top side or the under 21. So you, you become a victim of your success, don't you? Again, is it down to the, the, the authorities? The authorities should have been a bit more savvy about this, about allowing fixtures friendly fixtures to go ahead mm-hmm. and even then even having a look at the Nations League did the Nations League really need to get played at this time could it not just been mothballed for a year and played next year could they not have fitted it in at some other point I mean it's not as if I mean there's telly deals and that, 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 well, it all comes, well, comes down to pounds and pence it's all money, finance yeah, absolutely it always comes down to money it's not as if, it's not as if the National Associations are making gate money from these games, which is what basically international friendlies are about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I find it really, really bizarre that like like associations want to play friendly football at this time when it's so difficult to get domestic games going. The amount of hoops that, that you've got to jump through to get domestic games going. And it just seems like a... Too big a risk. I know people will say, "Oh, why do you want to play European football as well?" But club European football is different because the players are in their own club bubble mm-hmm. and they're not mixing with other. Apart so there's, from, there's two bubbles per th- game. There's, there's two bubbles, yeah. yes. So they're not they're not mixing with multiple bubbles. Really confusing all it these is. bubbles. Eh? I um, I'm just really. And not annoyed. If anything was going to go wrong for Celtic this season, everything just seems to be going wrong. Everything just seems to be piling up against us and the odds are getting stacked against us all the time. And anything that can go wrong is going wrong. Hopefully the Scottish guys have got a wee bit of a bounce in their step when they come back. I hope so, yeah. Because when you had a look at McGregor, Callum McGregor, Ryan Christie... Even Lee Griffiths celebrating another night when we when we got to Euro twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. You could see you could see a, like a, a fire in their eyes, a glint in their eyes. That I think has been missing this season for them. It's one of those things that these players have now can now tick off that have went down in history as a Scottish team that ended. It broke the duck. It broke the duck for twenty two the twenty two year duck, and they're, they're going to be remembered forevermore. And it was great to see David Marshall as well saving the penalty because a lot of fond memories of David Marshall and, uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And even yesterday, and this is one thing I think we're going to, going to get get on to, was you saw Kieran Tierney, Armstrong, uh, Stuart Armstrong and Ryan Christie teaming up yesterday in a wee triangle down that left-hand side. Yep. And I was sitting there going, that could have been us. We could, be, we could have been watching those players do that for us. I know, and, I know. I, I got the same sense, Kevin, when, or I get the same sense when I see Denaya and Boyata uh, playing at the heart of the defence for, for Belgium. And obviously I'm also looking over at Martinez with love hearts coming at my head, but <laughs> that's another thing for another podcast. Um, but yeah, when, when you see that, it's tinged with a wee bit of sadness when it's guys that we, that we had, you know, not that long ago. I mean, the David Marshall thing, I think all Celtic fans want to see David Marshall doing well because he came through the ranks he's uh, you know Celtic born and bred if you like and to see him still playing at the level that he's playing at uh, and on the international level as well but then 
Um, you also look at the Craig Gordon scenario. Doesn't surprise me that he's done what he what he's done. He's got a strength of character, Craig Gordon. That uh, you need to have if you come back from an injury that that forces you out of the game almost entirely, but certainly for two years to fight back from that and and get your move to Celtic. And you know it's it's a great thing hindsight, but it ties into one of the points I want to talk about today anyway. Uh, which will be the, the goalkeeper situation because uh, people have said over the last few weeks uh, or even months, creeping into months, Kevin, that there's a lot of negativity surrounding you know Celtic media, Celtic fan media or alternative media, whatever you want to describe it as. But I think you know it's quite clear that the narrative um, basically is generated and governed by what's happening on the pitch. I mean, it's not as though you say, right, let's let's set up a wee negative story here and run with that. The narrative is whatever's happening at Celtic. So if everything is going well, we talk about it. If, if things aren't going well, we talk about that. And we try and get as many views and opinions as possible. But when you came in today and we're talking about Duffy, I was looking at Shane Duffy and I'm looking at the goalkeeper scenario, Kevin, and I'm thinking there's three things I'd like to change. There's three things I'd like to change at the moment. Um, and... and Contrary to popular belief, one of them isn't actually Neil Lennon. That's not my priority, get rid of Neil Lennon, because it's not. What I'd much rather change is, I'd, ra- I'd much rather change the situation we have at the moment. And it's all defensive, Kevin. The situation we have with Callum McGregor playing, I'm not going to say out of position, but he's playing in a position where he's not as effective as the Callum McGregor we've seen in the international break, and that, that's something we're going to talk about. It's the Shane Duffy dilemma, whereby we've, you know, we've really push the boat out to get him into Celtic. We know what it means to him um, as a Celtic fan born and bred, a genuine one as well, I, th- I believe. Um, and it's not it's not happened. And the third part of that equation uh, that I'd like to see sorted out after the international break is a goalkeeper scenario whereby we've, we've really, once again, pushed the boat out. We've brought in a £4.5 million pound goalie, you know, the, the most expensive goalkeeper in Celtic's history uh, that we've gone out and purchased. And it's not working. So you think, well, perhaps McGregor needs to be moved. Perhaps Shane Duffy's confidence is returning with performances like yesterday, Kevin. And perhaps Barkas will be back in goals against Hibs, having done quite a bit of work with uh, Stevie Woods in the, the period that he's been out. Because he doesn't become a bad player overnight. Neither does Duffy. And if you think, if those three things, all defensive, all defensive issues, because McGregor going out there and finding someone better to play in that defensive role in the midfield, Kevin, you resolve those three issues and you resolve a lot of the issues within the playing side of that Celtic team this season. I said last week that I reckon our defensive woes is a team issue, not just a, not just a defensive issue. I think we're, we're not defending well as a team. Mm. You look at the, the two Scotland games over the last couple, of, last couple, the last few days, and you saw McGregor and a disciplined side as a centre midfielder alongside Ryan Jack. He was allowed to get forward when he wanted to because Jack was covering him, but you saw a whole team that was organised and pulling in the same direction. It had an identity, they, and they knew what they were there to do. Every player in that three four one two formation knew their job, knew exactly where somebody was going to be, and there was an organisation that you could see that they've worked on over a couple of the last couple of training camps that they've had mm-hmm. with, with Steve Clark, and it's no surprise to see a Steve Clark team as organised as that. 
because we saw it with Kilmarnock. We saw what he can do when he gets a hold of players and the players buy in mm-hmm. to what's to what's going on. Even yesterday in the defeat, we we spoke last week about faith and belief and the, 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 the two different things. Even though Scotland lost yesterday, we're going to play Israel tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And I've actually got belief we can get a result because of the way that we played yesterday, even though it ended up in defeat. We showed enough to go, these players have bought into what Steve Clark's doing. Mm-hmm. And we had enough chances yesterday. Um, Lee Griffiths had a great chance in the last minute, which the keeper had a... He didn't do but, much wrong with that, Kevin, he did he? No, he done, <laughs> done everything that you would ask your striker to do. I mean, he had to play 20-odd minutes with Ollie McBurney, which seems to be quite fashionable to bash Ollie McBurney. Um, for, for Scotland fans, over the last couple of days and... I feel sorry. I actually do feel sorry for McBurney because it's a bit like uh, we've seen it with Ollie Burke. It's not his fault that they've got these massive transfer fees hanging over their heads. But I must admit that Ollie McBurney looks like that wee guy in your kids' team that only gets a game because his dad's uh, the sponsor. Aye, used car <laughs> sale room sponsors a kit. Say eh? he's looking like that. Eh? But you look at Christie yesterday. Christie was superb in the second striker role. So um, the last two games against Slovenia and Slovakia, he's been immense. It just looked like I saw an effort and a determination and a willingness that maybe he's been missing in Christian McGregor this season for Celtic. And I find that worrying. And I find that worrying as well because, I'm going to say this, but when Scotland lost that last minute goal, I've never felt a, a drop in the pit of my stomach like that from a Celtic game for ages. I couldn't remember when I actually felt like my world had caved in when Celtic have last lost, lost F- a goal. Ferenc like Far- Faros? No. Nope. I expected it. The second goal against Rangers? No. Nope. The third and fourth goal against Sparta Prague? Uh, no. No? The, the, equali- the equaliser at Pataudry? I, I, that did, I get that, that sinking feeling every that, time something like that happens. That, that, that did. I'm not going to change what I says after after Patodre, and I do think that was the that was the time I reckoned that when we look back on this, if it all goes pear shaped, for me that last minute equaliser will be the point where I knew that it was going to go downhill, and it wasn't going to work. Um, no. All the goals that you mentioned, the Ferris Varus ones, well, I'd seen clues the year before, I'd seen Copenhagen the year before. You still feel gutty though, Kevin. No? I've been able to wash it off. I've just been able to dust it down. I don't think I've, I don't think my brain's computed that last scene is not finished. I, I, I'm maybe in this parallel universe where I don't think this season's actually happening. I mean, even, like we've got the Scottish Cup and that. Maybe I'll feel different after we actually end last season. Well, Kevin, and and, and I know that sounds completely, completely no, no, strange. I, I, I understand it. And I do get it. I do get it. It's, it's we're in uncharted waters here because, uh, as you say, we've not even finished last season, and that won't happen until the twentieth of December. Uh, what I was going to ask you though, because you mentioned McBurney, and obviously I see all all the all the online kind of stuff surrounding that player and. You know, he's obviously uh, taken to social media over a period of time to make his allegiances pretty well known 
Uh, and obviously his attitude towards Scotland and you know not doing the huddle, which is a completely different attitude altogether. I'm not going to get bogged down with all that stuff because it's all very petty nonsense, really. But um, I, I think you judge McBurney on his ability. I think it, we all do. So if he's getting stick, it's due to the fact that he's not that great. I think that on the on the bigger kind of scheme of things is is what people that, base that, on. That doesn't suit the narrative though. Oh, of that course doesn't it suit doesn't. the narrative that's yeah. getting put out there by certain high-profile journalists or high-profile journalists on Twitter anyway. But basically, and Celtic fans have got an issue against McBurney because he's a Rangers fan. That, that's well, that's the narrative. Well, like, what McBurney's done is extremely petty hmm. sometimes. Uh, but fair play, if that's the way that he wants to live his life, that's the way that he wants to love his life. I go to the Scotland games with a Rangers fan. I was Grant. going to ask you, Kevin. Grant. I'm going to ask you about your relationship with the Scottish national team. Talk to us about because again, it's a personal thing, very much so. It's something I've never bought into in terms of going to the games. I know you do, um, but I mean, I was pulled up again for maybe a comment I made in the last international break because my priority is always Celtic, and I've said that in the past. I don't focus on English. I didn't watch English football. My knowledge of of football as a whole. I don't think it's hindered because I don't watch English football. I, I read, um, you know, the amount of biographies, autobiographies, football, books, journals, everything else. So the knowledge is there um, in, in, the, in the global sense, Kevin. But it doesn't interest me. English football doesn't interest me. So I don't watch it. And, and anyway, I'm not quite sure when I would fit in the time at the moment <laughs> to, to, to watch a game that doesn't involve Celtic because it's all-consuming. Celtic isn't it particularly yes, when yes. we're doing uh-huh. daily broadcasts and, and the like but that doesn't mean to say that it's disrespectful because I mean as I said yesterday you know I used to support Stephen Hendry when he played snooker or Andy Murray when he played tennis and I always want to see Scotland doing well but I don't think you can blame anyone for being um, you know kind of disconnected to the Scotland team we've been absolutely garbage for la- large spells of the last 22 years as the number one audio company iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more it's the marketer's report this week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I mean, it gets to the point also where you look at the the role played by the SFA and various matters involving Celtic and uh, the situation when Rangers went into liquidation and then a Phoenix club was introduced to the Scottish League and their dealings and their handlings of that and why would anyone expect me to, to be sitting here with my face painted blue and white? You know, but 
The flip side is, well done Stevie Clark, well done the Scotland team, I'm delighted that they've got through, I'll support them, of course I will, but not as a member of the Tartan Army, as I know that you do, you, you actually go to the games and you know it's something you enjoy, what is your relationship with the Scottish national team? I, I didn't paint my face and wear a kilt with a pair of Timberlands, that's for sure. Um, the reason I started going to Scotland games is because there was a whole load of us all used to go around to my friend's house to watch the Scotland games and they were all... The majority of us were Celtic fans and there was a couple of Rangers fans. And my very good pal, Grant, doesn't really go to the football and, he get, and he's, he's really, really passionate about Scotland. He is a Rangers fan, but he's more passionate about Scotland than what he is about Rangers. Mm-hmm. Really? I, I, I've always said that he only became a Rangers fan to annoy all us because we were all Celtic so fans. So he is more of a Scotland fan than a Rangers fan? Yes. Right. I've, I've definitely, I've, he would probably argue with me. Mm. But I would say, no, you're, you're more a Scotland fan. So... He worked most Saturdays and it got to a point where I said, come on, steady, let's go to the, let's go to the couple of midweek games and see how we like it. And that's how it started. And our whole plan was to go to a couple of games, maybe day and away game, something like that, but obviously that's going to be kibosh now. But he he's, he's more into the... The tartan army, but he he doesn't wear hats, but he'll wear Scotland kits and that. And he hasn't wore a kilt yet. I think I wouldn't, wouldn't let him in the car if he actually tried to get in with a kilt on and a pair of workman bits. I, I think I would draw the line at that or even come on with face paints. But I've, I've enjoyed it. I mean, who wouldn't enjoy playing against England? I've seen us play England twice. Mm-hmm. The, the night against uh, we played the Republic of Ireland, it was great. I got to sing two national anthems. It was absolutely. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. We played England at Celtic Park as well, and I was sitting in my season ticket seat at Celtic Park. And I'm 40 years going to watch football, booing guys who wave Union Jacks and sing God Save the Queen. So I felt right at him that night. Um, so well, I, I, I can I can understand what you say with the SFA and all of that, but I can I can separate that. I see it as a, a game of football who, where I want my nation to go well, do well. But my expectations are different. My emotional expectations are different going to a Scotland game than going to a Celtic game. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of clarified that in my head very, very quickly going to Scotland games where do you expect Scotland to, to win every time that they, they step on the pitch? No. It is a different expectations. I must admit as well, some of the stuff I've heard at Scotland games is absolutely terrible. And if it was coming from as a Celtic support, or, and I can only comment from a Celtic support point of view, mm-hmm. we would get guys lifted left, right and centre. I've seen behaviour outside Hamden at Scotland games, which would actually see riot vans flying to the scene if it was Celtic that were playing. And I've seen that, and I've had, I've, I've even had a, a policeman admit that to me when I, when I was lucky enough to be involved in a couple of meetings with Glasgow Police, with my, my Celtic, uh, with the affiliation type thing. And I brought this up. And the Tartan Army have got this sort of harmless, good fun banter identity mm. where having been on the inside of it, I would think twice about going to an away game now. I would actually think twice about going to an away game because, maybe it's just me, maybe because I didn't drink, maybe because I'm getting older, I just find some of the behaviour abhorrent. Um, But that doesn't stop me going to the games because 
enjoy watching games of football, enjoy watching players that I know. I've seen Muller, I've seen Ledinowski, I've seen a good England, a good England side. I really, really enjoyed Thursday night, I must admit. As I say, as I say, is there Thursday night was the first real football buzz that I've got since this pandemic started, and I'm it says a lot stu- about it says I'm, a lot about Celtic performances. It does, and I'm struggling to compute that. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really struggling to get a grasp on that. That that I really did feel like my the pit in my stomach had disappeared when Slovenia had equalised, and the last time I felt like that watching Celtic was probably. Black Sunday? Well, Mings was at the weekend when Motherwell scored because I thought they were going to pull it back and get a draw off us. So it happens quite often for me, Kevin. Every time I see a goal and I... It's the impending net. And the last time, goal-wise, it was maybe Black Sunday. I've probably had other ones that I've just blanked to it. Uh, but feeling-wise, this surrounding football was when I heard... How Celtic had appointed Neil Lennon as permanent manager. I still, that, I still uh, don't believe it had happened in the shower though. That that impending doom feeling came over me, and it was the same as what I got on Thursday night with that equaliser. That's interesting for me for for someone to have that attachment to, you know, all intents and purposes, another football side, even though it is your country. Um, so we're looking at the international break. We're looking at you know the effect it's going to have on Celtic coming back to obviously why we're here um, so we've spoken about Shane Duffy and I did say uh, going into this break Kevin it would be great if he could get a wee bit of confidence back you reckon after yesterday's performance that might be the case I know uh, Roy Keane was a wee bit uh, critical of his performance against England but when he comes back I mean he's playing in a, a struggling island side Stephen Kenny's the manager there and uh, although Paddy McCourt rates Stephen Kenny extremely highly um, from their time playing for Derry um, you know, I, I've spoken to a lot of the ex-Stumfemming players that he managed who didn't rate him at all. Um, and I mean, some of the stories, uh, the unorthodox methods, let's just say, uh, were quite amusing, but they didn't they didn't rate him. Uh, there was a bit of mutiny in the camp when he was at Dunfermline. He didn't last long there uh, as a result of that. But, um, I mean, when you look at that Republic Island side, you look at Shane Duffy, you think to yourself, will we get the Shane Duffy we, we thought we were getting? This time round, is this like a natural break in the season, Kevin, where we do turn it around starting against Hibs at Easter Road? And that leads me on, we'll come back to McGregor and Christie and others uh, and as we go through the show, that leads me on to the game against Hibs. At the beginning of the season, I spoke quite highly uh, of Hibs. I think that they've got a good management team. I've said this before, they've got a good management team with Jack Ross, who obviously was highly rated by Brennan Rogers. Um, and John John Porter, his assistant, who I rate very very highly as well. Um, they've gone off the boil a wee bit. I thought I think they've done well in the transfer market um, and buying players from within the Scottish game primarily. I think they've done really well with the boy Nisbet, who was quite clearly a player last season for Dunfermline, and uh, I believe Dundee United were interested in signing him for half a million at one point last season. Uh, they held on to him. They probably got less money from Hibs eventually, but. Good signing the boy in this bit. We're going into that game. We seem to have had um, the upper hand over Hibs this season. I know one of them was a pre-season game. Kevin, we looked pretty good when we beat them at home and then in the league game as well. What are you expecting? What are you expecting against Easter Road? Um, at Easter Road, rather, against Hibs. And how do you think we'll line up? I'm expecting a, a tough game. I think I read yesterday that we haven't bet Hibs in a league game at Easter Road since January 2014. 
obviously they, they disappeared from the top flight for a wee while away, but I don't think Brendan won Rogers there. didn't uh, enjoy going to Easter Road, did he? Didn't enjoy going to Easter Road. Um, they had a good victory yesterday against Dundee, but then it was like a late collapse with Dun- with from Dundee. Uh, but then Dundee are a championship team. Hibs have been playing well. I must admit, I watched the the, the semi-final against Hearts mm. and that was just a, a fight and a paddling pool, basically. And Hearts basically won. Um, it wasn't much of a game. Uh, the, the Hibs that we had seen earlier in the season weren't there. Um, Ross seems to play a 4-4-2. He seems to like the four four two formation, which uh, is not in vogue um, when you look at what's happening all over Europe. They're a decent, decent side, and you would you would hope that they would put up. If I was a Hibs fan, I would hope that Hibs would turn up. That is there is there a better time to play Celtic? Uh, where we are at this precise moment in time. If you want, if you want to get a result against Celtic, is there a better time for Celtic to be coming to your patch? I, I don't, I don't think. I think they'll be, they'll fancy their chances, and they, they probably should fancy their chances. And there's evidence there that they should fancy their chances. But that result against Hearts is a, as a statement result. When you're trying to, when for Jack Ross and and your and your guy Potter there getting beat off a championship side mm. in a semi final yep. and your bitter city, city rivals when you're trying to change a mindset of a club that is a tough pickup for that squad that is a really tough pickup for that squad it's the same with Neil Lennon our, our coaching staff are not going to get any of the players back until Thursday this week. Mm-hmm. And we've got a day to prepare, basically. A day and a half to prepare for going to our tough, one of our, which has been over the last couple of years, our toughest away venue. Well, I predicted at the beginning of the season that Hibs would be in the top three this season. Uh, I know they've they've not been as great over the last few games as they maybe started, Kevin. But I, I stand by that prediction. I do think Hibs will be a top three side this year. Um, so it is going to be one of the toughest away games we're going to have. Especially allied to the the actual record we have at Easter Road. I know we beat them in the cup. Um two nothing it was, wasn't it? Just after Lenny took over. But um Neil Lennon obviously at his old stomping ground. Um I was going to say unfinished business, but obviously he left on a sour note, Kevin, when he left Easter Road. Um do we have the players? I've said all season we have the players, no doubt about it. Um it just depends on how we line up. And I'm thinking the three key issues and I know that we're now dealing with Moel Yunusi and Ayer. Um, not being confirmed yet by the club uh, however it would seem that they're going to be in quarantine they're going to miss the game which is so frustrating when you look at the the form of El Yanusi and the fact that you know Ayer's been our best centre half all season if you were to look at the season collectively Kevin he's been the best centre half you're then looking at very very doubtful that Julian's going to get thrown in in a game like this having been out for as long as he's been out you know he's not kicked a ball since the, the game against Ross County Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't then throw him in He needs to get that level of match fitness Before he can start a game like this So you're probably looking at um, Duffy partnering Would it be Beaton or Elhamid in the centre? You'd probably say Beaton, eh? When you, when you look at the the previous uh, uh, The coaching staff like Beaton 
Um, they like what he does. He likes what he brings to his team. Bring the team, and I probably agree with you with, with Julian. The fact that he hasn't kicked a ball for so many weeks is thrown him in from. That'll the be start. two months, won't it? That'll it be, about it two will months. be nearly two months. Yep. Eh? Thrown, thrown him in for the start eh, seems very uh, seems an unlikely risk, unless he's just naturally fit. But mind you, it seems to take our players months to get match fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you would you would actually say it'd be Duffy and beat on in the middle. Um, I would play El Hamed at right back. Right. Uh, Laxalt left back. Mm-hmm. Again, you, you you've got to. It's Brown and McGregor as that too. Again, I feel that McGregor shoehorned into that position. That's right. not his best position. So what do you do with that? Because that that's what we're kind of led with. What do you, what do you do with that situation? Do you continue with Brown there, Kevin, and marry him up? With someone else who from the playing pool would suit that position. I suggested the other week Beaton's probably the best player for that McGregor role, where, where McGregor is at the moment. I think Beaton's maybe the best player for that. It slows the game down, and I, I totally get that, 100% get that. Where do you then play McGregor? Well, El Yunusi is going to have to drop out, so there's there's a place in front of the, the mm-hmm. two deeper lying midfielders where McGregor could be utilised in there alongside it would be Roger and Christie, I guess. No, you've actually said that. I've actually got I've actually got Moy in my team. So what I would do it would be Brown at Cham, and I'd move McGregor further forward onto that left hand side, right? Instead in of Moy. But again, I don't think that solves the problem. That's the shoehorning McGregor into a position to get him on the pitch. Um, his best position is the centre of midfield alongside somebody who's disciplined to orchestrates the uh, play. Uh, so why not McGre- scrap? Why not scrap? I mean, why are we playing with the two? You know the two deep lying midfield players. There. It's, it's a formation that the team know well. It's a formation that the team have been nearly playing five years, but it's not Con- working this season for constantly. Mm. But we've got no go- we've got no game time. No, sorry, we've got no training time. You can't implement a a three four three formation when the players are just going to be back on Thursday. You can't say to them right, rip up everything that you know. We're going to play a we're going to play a four four two. We want you to do this. These players work on muscle memory. But you said um, a formation they've known for five years. What, six new players in that team? Six first-team players. So, you know, I think it's one of the, it's, it's an opportunity, Kevin, particularly when you're trying to to implement something that's going to change the rut that Celtic have been in most of the season. It's an opportunity, I think, um, to to actually try something a wee bit different with the shape. Coaches are risk-averse. Mm. I couldn't see Neil Lennon knowing... I can you see the coaching staff ripping up what they've done for the start of the season at this point, unless they've had a chance to work with the players. When we came back from Dubai, we had two weeks working at a three-five-two. We had two weeks, pre, basically a mini pre-season work on that formation. We're now hoping, thinking, wondering if the coaching staff are going to implement a new formation when they've got a day and a half to work with the players. Mm. And coaches are no that risk averse. What Neil will try to do, he'll try and get his best 11 in that four four that four two three one formation on the pitch. And if that means that there's going to be square pegs and round holes, so be it. But that's what he'll do. He'll try and get 11 players on that part that he trusts. 
Right, whether so right, whether rightly or wrongly, or we can sit here and moan and say Sorrow might be better sitting there as a f- defensive midfielder. Turnbull might be better coming in because he's got more you're energy. You're taking a chance. You're taking a chance with Sorrow. I, I see his name popping up all the time on the comments, and we will come to the comments uh, once we've run through your team, Kevin. But I think that's a risk. I think it's a big risk. We've not seen enough of Sorrow to know and trust that we can put him in in a game like this. That's what I'm meaning. The the coaching staff will not take that risk. They'll have a look at their their top 11 that they've got available and will shoehorn them into a 4-2-3-1. So the shape's more important than the personnel. So who's in goals? You never told us who your goalie is. Does Bain keep the jersey? Do you bring back Barkas? I would bring back Barkas. Um, I think Scott Bain's contribution's been... Overestimated, over egged. You had a good game in Leon, saved the penalty kick, but I think we've shipped 10 goals in three games that he's mm. been there. Mm-hmm. Look, we've got to trust Stevie Woods. We've yeah. got to trust Stevie Woods on this. Mm. Listen to David Marshall the other night when David Marshall saved that penalty kick. Marshall says him and Woodsy knew where that guy was going to put the ball because mm-hmm. he's missed his last two for Fulham. So they had worked on that. Marshall's got praise coming out his ear holes for Stevie Woods. If we go right back, Fraser Foster. Remember Foster in his first season? Yep. Were with that baller that he came back for a second season? No, I remember, I remember that announcement and it was the night of the, the Sion game. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't remember if it was another loan deal. I think it was another loan deal rather than a permanent deal that he eventually signed, Kevin. And totally underwhelmed by the news that Fraser Foster signed permanently. So why point. was that? Because that's because Stevie Woods. Hey, he kept working with him and working. working. You could see him at half time. You know, mm. coming out, he didn't go in for a half time team talk. Fraser Foster, you know, for a long, long time, and he was still working at half time mm. with Stevie Woods. So Stevie Woods wanted Barkas when Foster didn't didn't mm-hmm. want to come back. Couldn't come back. Was stopped for coming back. Whatever, whatever happened there. Eh? So. You've got to trust Stevie Woods and Barkas is your number one goalkeeper. He's away with the Greek national team, I think, mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So you've got to bring him back in. You've got I to agree. bring him back in I for agree. the long term of the club. Mm-hmm. He's not a young laddie. He's 26, vast, vastly experienced, international caps. You've got to bring him back in. Also, another point that I would make about Stevie Woods is this. Stevie Woods is the only member of our backroom team that's never got a decision wrong any time that he's been there. What decisions does he make? I know that he was instrumental in Barkas coming. Barkas, Gordon. Was he involved in bringing Gordon? He was involved in bringing Gordon back. Well, he got that right. He was maybe overruled with De Vries because that was definitely a Brendan Rodgers signing. Uh, but you look at all the goalies that we've had I know. since since Woods has been there, he's never got one wrong, wrong yet. And it's safe to say, I mean, is there any he hasn't developed positively? You know, so it would be a real... Turn- this week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
not for the books if Barkas was to turn out to be a flop. And I think it's too early to be calling him that anyway. I thought the press around Barkas first time round, because remember early doors, he was getting a lot of stick, Kevin. And we said on the podcast that it's unfair. It was unwarranted at that stage, wasn't it? And then there's this second wave of criticism, probably partly due to the fact that the defence has been pretty woeful. And he's been part of that. But I do think if we get the goalie right, we get Duffy. Now, it's not as simple as say get Duffy right, but he showed signs yesterday, didn't he? He did. He showed signs of the Duffy we brought to Celtic Park. And if we can get that, then it's a start. Then we start looking at this issue with McGregor probably playing in a position that's not his best. And he shows that when he plays for Scotland. Um, and in these three small changes, they tweaks. It's not experimentation, Kevin, but get that right. And then we might see a Celtic side that I th- still think is capable when you look at the players. You're going to, you're right, you're going into the game against Hibs, you've given us your back line. Who else do you play? Um, right, so I've, I, I changed it to Brown and, and Cham as the mm. two sitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christy, Rogic and McGregor. Right. And Ayeti up front. Ayeti? Ayeti up front. Okay, so... Uh, just because Ayeti looks far more interested than Eddie. Right, and uh, Griffiths? Is I would he... leave Griffiths on the bench. Um, he's more than likely to... And get... a game like this, against the Hibs, his team... Has he ever turned up against Hibs? Maybe it's time he did. Uh, it's probably time that he is. Nah. But again, look at... Look at Ayeti's in front of him. Is he? When the coaching staff are making the decision, yeah. Ayeti's in front of him. Yep. Griffiths as well came on 67 minutes yesterday. He came on 117 minutes in the extra time. Basically, he came on to take a penalty, he, didn't he? The only touch of the ball that he got was a penalty kick, nah. which took... How, how that took balls of steel. I know. What a balls of steel, yeah. yep. That's unreal. Aye. You, you know you're getting brung on for a penalty kick. That is... And, and he took it in his stride, Kevin. And that's got three minutes to play in your mind. I know. That, that's, that's frightening. That's... That's something I can't comprehend as a half arse pundit sitting here. Like, what those football players go through. Mm-hmm. And it's something when you sit here and criticise, you always feel a bit bad. No bad, but you always go, I don't really care what I'm talking about because I've never been in the situation that they've been in. I- I'm making a comment on something that I really didn't care anything about. I know, but at the same time, being a, a footballer isn't a criteria for commenting on the game I mean a footballer can give you some great insight Kevin but you know if that was the case every single footballer would be a brilliant pundit or every single footballer would be a brilliant manager you know so you're sitting there doing yourself a disservice we all have an opinion on the game as long as it's balanced and you can back it up with your reasoning behind what you've said then then that's fine and so your voice is as important and as relevant as the next one so don't be as disparaging about it Saturday Saturday's after the culture change comment after the Sparta Prague game, Neil Lennon says we need to get back to basics. And I'm, as I spoke last Monday about the culture change comment, I didn't understand that culture change comment. The change in culture has came from the management because, as you've rightly said, there's been six new players been brought into that changing room. Yep. So. Stevie Mallon, Stevie Mullen, Mallon, that was a guy who plays for Hibs. Um, Stevie Mullen says something interesting about he thinks there's a split in the camp because of the way that they come out the, the tunnel. Mm. And it got me thinking back. I went to a, a Celtic Supporters Association rally in the Kerrydale suite 
which would have been Ronnie's last season. And the season that Lee Griffith scored 43 goals for us. And the whole team was there before they went to... What's the hotel they go to? Eurocentral? Did they go to... The I don't hotel? know, I'm not a stalker, mate. I, they, I can't they go, tell they you. Go, they go to a hotel in Eurocentral and I can't remember the name of the hotel. So the team were there for the dinner. Then they were going away to do their preparation for the game. Mm-hmm. And when Stevie mentioned that, I started thinking back to that night. And I was there with... Uh, a guy, James Gannon, who goes up on my supporters club, and he says to me, he says, you notice they two tables, the players, and you could quite tell there was a division. You could quite tell the the camps in the dressing room just with the way that they were sat at the tables. Apparently they go to the Dakota. The Dakota, no. That's According that. to Alan Robertson and Lawrence and Richard Murray says the Radisson Blue. Um, so we'll come to everybody's comments, by the way. I'm not ignoring them. It's just that, uh, you know... Forty-five minutes has passed already because uh, Kevin's excited to be here, and uh, we've got plenty to talk about. But we're not in any hurry. I know that the broadcast normally goes out for about an hour, Kevin, but if it runs later today. It, it runs later. It's fine. Absolutely no problem at all with that. But I certainly won't be going offline without delving into some of the comments on Facebook, Twitter, uh, and YouTube as well. But it's an interesting lineup, Kevin. And I, I keep thinking about how best to utilise what is undoubtedly an excellent squad that Celtic have. Uh, you know that view doesn't change because of a, a run of bad performances. For me, it doesn't change. So I agree with you, Barcast and goals. I think we need to get back to Barcast, get them a run of games and try to get, and I keep going on about this triangle that Andy Lynch was speaking about where you get this relationship between the goalie and the, the two centre-halves, everything else works around that. So your full-backs work around it, your defensive midfield player works around it. And I was very um, complimentary, I think, about Duffy when he first came in, about how he actually was playing with Ayer. And a lot of that was down to the way that he was leading Ayer through games, wasn't he, Kevin? He was he was playing like that captain at the back, and he was getting Ayer to do defensive work, first and foremost, before thinking about, uh, you know, the galloping runs and the, the big, you know, Hollywood passes and all that kind of stuff. It was get the basics done right. And... I think that's kind of been overlooked a wee bit because of the bad performances of Shane Duffy and I'm not ignoring that uh, or trying to disguise that but I think he was good in other areas and I think he was he was there and he was doing wonders for Ayers defensive positional play etc so if you've got Duffy in there which I think is a cert uh, due to the injuries uh, of Julien and also the absence through the the quarantine of Ayer and I, I would marry him up I've got to say I would marry him up with uh, Beaton Frimpong's out, of course, so go back to someone who has got more of the defensive qualities in Elhamid. I did think about the left, Kevin. I was thinking back, not dropping Laxalt, no way, because he's been excellent since he came in. I think only one game he didn't get pass marks. Uh, but I was thinking about Taylor. Is it time to bring back Taylor and play with Laxalt. two more defensive style And you could move Laxalt and move Laxalt into Moyes position, you know, that attacking um, area, then you know, that, that's a possibility. It's something that I think maybe even Neil Lennon will, will, will consider as well. Do we play two up the front? I would love to. Neil Lennon's not going to, is he? He's going to be playing with one up front. And then the question is, who do you play? And I think he'll go for Eddie over a Yeti. I think he would go for Edward. Um, I, I, I see the benefit of having Griff on the bench even yet. Uh, at this moment of time in a game like this. Playing Eddie, I think, would be harsh on a Yeti after his performance at Fir Park. I think that would be really harsh to drop him uh, because he done well at Fir Park his work rate was fantastic mm. he showed more more hunger 
Um, I think it was like a wee buzz bomb. I like him. He's got but then Eddie's maybe had a rest a, and then, you know. Uh, he's got a decent attitude and I think, I think if you're going on the previous game and maybe we've, we've got to manage Eddie back, mm-hmm. I, think, I think there could be a, a very good case to put that Eddie's already checked it. I think that could be the case. Well, I hope, I hope, you know, I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. I mean, there's this consideration hanging over all Celtic fans uh, around January and what's going to happen in January. We know that financially, uh, you know, it's a perilous situation for every business and every football club. Uh, Are we going to sell one of our big star players? Is it going to be Eddie? Is it going to be Ayer? Um, I hope he's not checked out, Kevin, because I think he can still contribute. Uh, if he has, I'm, I'm of the view, and I'm not comparing the players. I'm just, you know, if someone checks out and they're not going to give you the performance, then I agree with you. You don't play him. I, I remember, remember John Gadetti came in. He looked brilliant. He looked like what a player he was, you know. But then when he made it known that he was only there for a short period and he was going to, he had no intention of staying. Ronnie Dyla stopped playing him. He just stopped playing him. If you remember. Um, and then he, he threw the toys at the pram after Gidetti that. It could have been a star for us. I've said that before. Eh? That was very disappointing. It was. Gidetti, eh? he, he showed was, flashes, didn't he? He did. And very disappointing with Gidetti. Um But Dyla was quite right. As soon as that that was said, then what was the point? Uh, that was actually a really, really decent decision by Ronnie mm-hmm. at a time where he wasn't under that much pressure, but his stock was probably at his highest at that point when he done yeah. that with Gadetti because we were playing good football at the time. And that, that was good management by Ronnie, truthfully. I think it was. If if you go back to Greg Taylor at, at left back, let's say, uh, Laxalt gets pushed up into one of these advanced midfield positions, Kevin. Then it, it does ask you the question again, though, is it just a simple, he steps into El Yunus's boots and you've still got Christie and, and Rogic in there as well. Uh, that means you've still got Brown and McGregor behind them. You could still arguably play McGregor in a more advanced position than playing a, a deep kind of lion mm-hmm. midfielder, which, again, I think he's wasted there. Mm-hmm. He's far better offensively, isn't he? Yes, he d- d- definitely. And it's... Like Salt's one of these strange players where I haven't got that worry about him defensively and I haven't got that worry about him going forward. He can do it. He's actually shown that he can do it. Mm -hmm. It's not like Greg Taylor who we've already seen is limited with what he can do in an offensive nature. But when you put him in a team in a set-up when you go, right, you're only defending, he looks great because Mm -hmm. he sticks to his job and that's the level of player that he is. We like Salt. Could, Could he actually do what Moy does because he might not have the, the shooting prowess but certainly the, the creative element of that I, I have no doubts I mean I, you I see how many rampaging down that left wing I, I think Moy loves the fact that Rogic's there because Moy doesn't need to create for himself mm-hmm. he knows that he's got somebody there that can do it for him and he just concentrates on getting into those goal scoring positions mm-hmm. um, what I see with A3 Kevin if it's El Yunusi Rogic and Christie, I see the energy coming from Christie and El Yunusi, and Rogic's there uh, almost just to add a finishing touch, play the defence splitting pass, and that's Rogic's kind of role in there. Is he a luxury player? Well, he would be if he wasn't setting up two goals a game, you know, but that's his role in there, and he's got all that energy around him. If you move El Yunusi, that kind of energy that Luxol gives you makes the dynamic um, almost match when El Yunusi's playing, so I think he could step in there pretty easily. He could. It could, but I'm not 100% sure. 
I think he's more of a dynamic wide player mm-hmm. than what Moy is. It would add a com- completely different dimension to that role and in, in the structure of yep. the team uh, to what we've seen previously. Even when we play, even when you when you've got Mikey Johnson that maybe playing that position as well, they still play that position as a wide forward. They don't play it as a fullback. If you know what I mean. if you were going if you were going for a four in the middle of the park and you put him on the left hand side of midfield as an old fashioned left hand side midfielder, then I would say it would work. I think I'm looking at the balance. You know, when you've got like Salt <coughs> in one one wing and Frimpong in another, there's a good balance to that. You bring in El Hamid, although you know he's okay going forward. We've seen that this season. I still don't think he gives you what what Frimpong gives you uh, as an uh, in an attacking sense. So the balance is different. If, if you're shouting about getting defensive organisation back and getting back to basics, then basically what you'd be looking to do would be bring back Taylor and play Laxall as a left-hand sided midfielder yep. in front of him, mm-hmm. but as a genuine left-hand sided midfielder, mm-hmm. not a left-hand sided forward. So that would mean changing the shape of the team. Which you don't think the Which I don't will think do. the coaching staff will do. Well, let's see. Uh, there's plenty of comments coming through. Now, if you are commenting on YouTube, make sure to subscribe because we're careening towards 4,500 subscribers, Kevin. Which really, you know, it's excellent because we've only really started posting on YouTube in the last three months. So we're looking to push that right up by the end of the year to 5,000 and then beyond and we'll see what happens next year. So thanks everybody for getting involved. Let's work through some of the comments coming through and Stephen Forbes welcome back to the show Stephen uh, hypothetical question but a sincere one if fans were in the stadiums would Christie receive applause from opposing fans this coming weekend after his recent heroics would society rise above it it's an interesting question I mean it's been a long long time for Scottish football fans uh, to be in a position where you know you're maybe proud of your nation and that nation's made up of uh, players from Celtic, if you're a Hibs fan, for example. Do you think we would ever see something like that? I don't know. I, I don't really know in Scotland. Um, the fact that it's Easter Road, they might get a decent reception at Easter Road before the game starts. But once the game starts, then it's the tribal lines are out there. The, 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 it's tribalism, eh? You want that player to... I go to watch Scotland and I don't want somebody that I've, I've, I've shouted for on a Wednesday night to do well against my club team on a Saturday. So have you ever applauded? Have you ever, um, have you personally ever done it beyond a testimonial game, uh, an opposing player? Um, Messi. Trezor gave when he got um, to, taken off against us. Uh, Tregazzi was had a fabulous performance that night the day when we bet them 4-3. He, he, was, he was superb that night. There's a there's an admiration for players that are maybe coming to Celtic Park on a European night Aye. that I don't think you get domestically, do you? No, I can't no. think. I'm thinking, and the scary thing was the other day they were talking about the first game. I think I seen a a post by JP Mason, a good pal of the podcast. JP, good lad, and he was talking about the first Celtic game against his last Celtic game, his first gig against his last gig, Aye. and his first game I think was in 1988. I think. Uh, Mings was in 1987, which actually means, Kevin, that I've watched Celtic in five decades. That's pretty scary. That's that is pretty scary, same, mate. Same as me, my first Five game, decades. My first game was 81. 81, so you're almost six, you know, if it was just stretched back a wee bit, but five decades stretched over 33 years as it happens. But um, I, I can't how, how think... How much time and emotion have we wasted? 
Hmm? I, I don't know, is it ever wasted? Is it ever wasted? I don't know, it drives us daft. I know, but you know what? It's this is, what, this is my weekly therapy session. I know I come in here for. That's why you're here, that's why I speak to you, your likes of yourself and Jim and all the other guys. Um, Tony Cassidy, here's a, here's a wee point from Tony. Welcome back, Tony, good to see you. Griff and Eddie up front, job done. Have we seen enough of that this season, Kevin? And I know Edward's off the boil at the moment. It's not the Edward that we fell in love with. It's not the Edward that people were talking about, 30 and £40 million. Pounds. But we do know that him and Griff have a good partnership. Have we seen enough of that to try and get us through the rut? Or beyond the rut? No, this season, no. You've got a, an Eddie who's a shadowy self and you've got an unfit Lee Griffiths, according to our coaching staff. So... Which has resulted in a wee conversation over the phone between him and Chris Sutton, by all accounts. Well, it should have resulted in a conversation between Chris Sutton and Neil Lennon, rather than Chris Sutton and uh, Lee Griffiths. How can you get your coaching staff and your manager in the public face been saying since July that Lee Griffiths is not fit? I know. And he's been training with the top-level coaches or supposedly top-level coaches that that, that the club can provide, Mm -hmm. and he's still not fit. I know. I just find that bizarre. Uh, a lot of the stuff that comes out of our club and has been coming out of our club this season has been hypocritical, has been contradictory, has been just utter nonsense when you actually look into it. Now, Jungle Lion, who comments regularly via Twitter, welcome to the show. Celtic don't need two defensive midfielders, especially in the Scottish games, and definitely need two up front. I think there is an argument, Kevin, when you're looking at domestically, uh, for us to to change the shape. You know, you don't play the same shape against AC Milan as you would at Easter Road or at Fir Park, surely? No, it's too easy to say that we didn't need two defensive midfielders. We've got two defensive midfielders there, though, and we can't keep wins at a cost. We can't, we can't stop not giving up chances because there's no organisation to the two, the, the two suppose, supposed defend, defensive midfielders. When you watch Celtic at this precise moment in time, there doesn't seem to be a structure of who sits and who goes. When you look at when you look at the goals that, that we've lost in Europe this season, I mean that was like the charge of the light brigade. Where was our midfield? Where was our fullbacks? They were not there. When you again, this this because whose fault's that? It's the coaching staffs. You look at the two Scotland games there. Mm-hmm. You never once saw them getting ripped apart. No, you never once disciplined, organised. But then I thought for sixty minutes against Lille, Kevin, that's what we were banging on about. Look I at the shape, look at the organisation, uh-huh. look at the discipline. It was almost as if they were sent out by a different coaching staff that night. And that's why it gave us that wee bit of kind of belief that we're going to turn this round. You actually thought we're going to turn this round. You go out against Aberdeen, you beat them 2-0, you're in the Scottish Cup final. All is good, and then Sparta Prague happened. That, that, that's what makes you think there's something bigger wrong. You just kind of go from that height a little away to Sparta Prague in the space of a week. We can. We can. And we did. Fenas Varos. Well, well, let's, let's be truthful here, eh? Sparta Prague and Fenas Varos. Mm. And Rangers have been typical of your season. Leo was a was an anomaly. A, was an anomaly. But it did look as though we went out with a, a different kind of purpose that night, Kevin. Mm-hmm. You know, even the the energy you were getting from the coaching uh, staff on the side of the park was completely different, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Um, had the Sparta Prague, you know, result not been in there, then we'd probably be sitting here and 
not overanalyzing the, the deficiencies of the Motherwell result because it's a 4-1 win at the end of the day. Uh, but there was plenty, there was plenty deficiencies. of deficiencies. Um, I mean, going back, I remember you being criticised by me and others uh, because you said that defensively Celtic were woeful against Ross County. Folk thought you were talking nonsense because we won 5-0. When you look back on that, it's the same kind of defensive display that we saw against Motherwell. They were cutting through us time and time again. Mm. Three times in the first half against Ross County. You were criticised for it, Kev. I know. And I was right. I was right. I know, but I'm we, giving you a wee bit of we, we had, a boost had, there. I'm had, giving you a compliment there. We have there. no organised shape. It doesn't look like we've got an organised shape. And to, as you say, to go from Lille, where we looked organised, great, one of our best away European performances for 60 minutes until we lost a hire, <laughs> to Sparta Prague, where it looked like we had just been introduced to each other, I know. is you have to have a look at the preparation in the team. Yeah. Well, what's the team done differently for Lille, Sparta, Prague? Mm-hmm. Why have the team not kept... Because the game plan probably wasn't that much different. The shape of the team probably wasn't that much different. So why did they not do it? Purely motivation. Purely their preparation for the game. Mm-hmm. Purely the, the fact that they went into that game with a wrong mindset. Now, it was interesting that you, you, interesting that you mentioned... Um, the coaching staff talking to each other and Leo and the energy for the coaching yeah. staff. And I had a laugh. You, can't, you didn't see Steve Clark jumping about there. When the cameras panned to Steve Clark over the last two games, he's been sitting there looking as dour as what he usually does. But his players are out there playing for him. Nah, they're, they're sticking to the plan. The they're game sticking plan. to the plan. Now, Jaffa Cake, you've mentioned, uh, sorry, you commented rather on YouTube. Julien's keeping fit modelling for the Celtic shop. The reason I'm bringing that up, I came across an old Celtic catalogue from the early 2000s, Kevin, and these things were brilliant. They were absolute dynamite. It was like 80 pages, uh, absolute junk that we were selling with anything with Celtic on it. HH67, all that stuff, you know, just chuck it on a garment and it will sell some cracking gear. And it was being modelled by Bobby Petter, uh, Neil Lennon and Johan Mialbe. That was the three models that season. Big Melby. I know, aye. So um, he's just topless and all No, he wasn't actually. He was wearing a big, you know, it was like a, a casual range with Rolex and all that kind of stuff. Who bought all that stuff? Somebody must have bought it. There'll be fuck out there with wardrobes for later. Uh, your leather jackets, jeans with the crest on the pocket and everything. I want to know if anybody ever bought a pair of jeans. Can somebody, they must admit, have done, can mate. Somebody admit to it? I'd <laughs> love to see a pair. Uh, I'd love to see up here. Now, Jungle Line um, is making a good point. It's not the time for experimenting. I think that's maybe where I was coming from, actually, when I'm talking about bringing back the likes of Taylor. If you bring back Frimpong, let's, uh, not Frimpong, El Hamid, bring back Taylor, push uh, Luxalt up. Um, because I don't think Luxalt would be like a fish out of water if you were to do that, Kevin. Um, people might scoff at that because Taylor was one of the boys that was, you know, on the end of a lot of the, the criticism. Uh, but that, that quite soon moved into Duffy territory, didn't it? Um, you've given me your, your line-up, Kev. You've given me your line-up. We've, we've maybe got to have a look at it from the coaching staff point of view. The last time that we went out, we won 4-1 at a tough away venue. So there'll be as minimum changes as possible. Because mm-hmm. they'll look at that as a good result. And I think that's just purely down to the lack of time together time that they're going to have to prepare for this game this week. Mm-hmm. It might benefit a few people that haven't been on 
obviously on, on duty as well though Kevin Robert Highland Stevie Woods would have known how good or bad Marshall was and that he was available on a free why did we buy Barkas then? David Marshall was already came out and say he was nowhere near joining Celtic there was never a offer on the table so that, this is just for me this is like fake news Mm. The, the players came out and admitted that he, he was never contacted by Celtic. Mm-hmm. So, so we've gone helpful there to try and get Forster. Hasn't worked. We've gone for plan, plan B, Barkas. And where David Marshall's playing for Derby County, who are bottom in the English Championship. Mm-hmm. So who look like they're going to appoint John Terry as a manager, which is absolutely hilarious. Scott Gray, I've seen his name popping up on this broadcast time and time Joe again. Keeps on saying I it. tend not to click on it. Sorry, Joe. Uh, Scott Graham, Barkas is an international class. He's not a flop. I think that's the way that we need to, to look at the situation with not just Barkas, but with him and Duffy. Let's clean the slate here. Hopefully the international break's going to do that and we can look at what the plan actually was for the second half of the season, Kevin, because mm-hmm. the first half, you know, crisis of confidence... Um, injuries on both their parts because obviously you know Duffy played through injury didn't he mm-hmm. um, Duffy was acclimatising to the game and also to play to playing two and three games a week from a period of near stagnation at Brighton and Hove Albion um, I'm not saying it's a magic wand Kevin but if we get the two players that we thought we were signing the whole thing there's a, there's a different veneer of confidence starting to appear in that Celtic side we have to use this break to come back revigorated um, whatever happens I think it doesn't matter what we sit here and say Neil and the coaching staff have got the backing of the people that matter and that is the guys who can hire and fire them mm-hmm. and they'll have a look at the bigger picture I mentioned the bad luck everything seems to be going wrong these guys have no have made bad decisions I've listed the bad decisions but they'll be looking at the bigger picture because we're maybe a bit tunnel vision regarding results, performances and that. They're maybe sitting there far more relaxed than us, saying, well, this is wrong, that's went wrong, that's went wrong. But none of it, a lot of it's been out with the coaching staff's, staff's control. So Neil's got the backing of them, and we need to give Neil, the coaching staff and team, our backing as well. And hopefully we can use this break to actually kick on from now, from now to the cup final. Well, see the big thing was I thought we had done it. I thought we had done it um, in relation to the performance we had against Lille and then the Aberdeen one. I thought we had done it. Um, now, Billy, Billy Subs, sorry, Kev. Billy point. Subs, Grant, why has my comment been deleted? I've not deleted any comments today, actually, Billy. So I don't know how that would happen. But um, I certainly haven't deleted any. It's been quite tame on the comments today, which is actually quite good. Sometimes it gets a wee bit uh, fruity on there. But uh, we're looking at uh, some of the comments coming in. We were talking about Big Mialbi. Um I think one word to describe him would be photogenic, Kevin. Uh, could do with Mialbi now, on or off the park. I've seen a lot of comments, actually. Thanks for that, Robert. I have seen a lot of comments coming in about, you know, Lenny's backroom team. I think it is a, a strange dynamic that we have, and it would be the same really in any kind of football club if you're not choosing. Yeah, I, I thought that was a strange dynamic with Ronnie Dyla and John Collins, mm-hmm. because you're not a team. You're getting thrown together, make it work. You know, you're not, you don't have that uh, dynamic element of a successful coaching side. And I'm not saying for a minute Neil Lennon should bring in his old coaching uh, buddies, because I think 
it's pretty fractured in terms of their relationships with Peter Lowell going by even just some of Alan Thompson's tweets recently. It's not going to happen, is it? Um, I think also people who were close to the situation with regards to Neil's former backroom staff as well have actually said it's not the type of culture that you want in the club. And we're talking about culture, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Um, But again, I made a comment the other week there and it's come back. I'm not going to say it's come back to haunt me because you never know in football uh, because people's stock rise and and drop pretty rapidly in football, Kevin, you know, and you've got people that um, would maybe like ski the, the, the comment that I made in relation to Robert Martinez but I'm talking about elite level managers then Jim Orr came in last Friday and you know spoke about what is an elite manager very interesting points that Jim made I've got to say it was Martin O'Neill an elite manager when we brought him in was Brendan Rodgers in fact an elite manager I think that the whole culture and the mentality that Rodgers introduced when he came to Celtic was of an elite mentality of an elite club Absolutely. Is he an elite manager? Well, he hadn't won anything, really, had he? At the top level. Uh, so probably not. And then people scoff at the idea of bringing in someone like Eddie Howe. Again, don't put my name to that. I've never asked for, for that to be considered. Um, but, you know, people say he's never won anything. Neither did Brennan Rodgers. Yeah, no one would swap what he gave us for about 18 months. No one would swap that, you know. Um, so, again, it's one of these considerations. And I was looking also at the... the Situation whereby, what if someone else was to come into the coaching staff? Would that would that help? Would that help with the um, the dynamic within the coaching staff? If so, who would it be? You know, um, and I'm not talking about a director of football because that goes away above. That goes to the, the business element of dealing with players and agents and all that, and taking all that away from the manager. But you know, Gavin Strachan's come in, Kevin, um, replacing Damien Duff. Has that had an effect on the players? Negatively, positively. It's an easy conclusion to come to. Mm. Because when you look at last season to this season, that's the only thing that's changed. Obviously, we've got six new players, but we're we're focusing on the coaching staff here. The only thing that's changed in that dynamic is Gavin Stratton coming in. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to say to rumour that to make wild accusations that the players didn't like him, didn't like his training, didn't like this, didn't like that. Who would who would pick the other member of coaching staff coming in? Well, if it's not Neil Lennon, it, it can maybe contribute to the situation and the dynamic. So, for example, the rumour is Neil Lennon wanted Tommy Johnson to come in to that coaching, that, the coaching back room before Gavin Strang. All right. okay. that is that's a rumour I've never that heard that rumor. I've got to say. I don't know if it's true or not but for for the point I'm going to make say it is true and say Neil then goes and brings in Tommy Johnson now he says to the board he says to Dermot and Peter I need a wee bit of hand here I think bringing Tommy in bit of energy bit of he'll g the place up because he's quite a he's quite a He's a fun character by the looks of him. You've interviewed him, actually. Yeah, I have, I. So, I want to bring him in. What does that do to John Kennedy's nose? What does that do to Gavin Stratton's nose? But how how does that benefit what we're needing? We're needing tactics. We're needing analysis. Well, we're needing I, I, shape. I, I, I was just chucking You know what I mean, though? I, I was just chucking Because I, I like, get what you're saying. That is what Tommy Johnson would bring. Mm-hmm. You know, But, but then, you're hoping for a bit more than that. Maybe, maybe he has got a good tactical brain, I don't ken. I just kind of painted him as a sort of Terry McDermott figure there, didn't I? Mm-hmm. You so, did. But 
just for the point that I'm trying to make without knowing what Tommy Johnson would actually bring in a football sense Mm -hmm. the point I was trying to make that would change the dynamic of the backroom staff again again yeah again and if we're saying that the easiest conclusion to come to is the fact that Gavin Strachan's came in and that's changed the dynamic of the backroom staff then bringing in somebody else is just going to make it worse that's my view anyway that's that's an interesting view um, it certainly is I mean it's one of these things Kevin again that we're going to continue talking about it people are talking about uh, negative narratives and you know the narrative is based on what's happening on the pitch and if Celtic go out there and we beat Hibs and it looks as overturning a corner based on that and the Motherwell result then fine we'll talk about that but whilst the 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 performances are so up and down and yet the good performances are so sporadic and sometimes not even within the 90 minutes are you getting a good performance you're maybe getting good 45 minutes here or a good hour there we're going to question everything from the players right through to the coaching staff course yeah. Um now when we're looking also at uh, old Celtic catalogues and the old merch Red Scotland comes in to admit that he did have Flintstone jeans when he was a nipper I'm sure that myself and you will remember them I don't I remember tartan jeans though um, and Philip DeMarco says that I had Celtic trainers back in the 90s. What were the hits? Mets? Something Mets. Like that. Mets for the centenary ones. Eh? Yep. And Martin Davis says I had a pair of them. So he bought a pair of those Celtic jeans. Wow. Wow. Um, now that was just a wee bit kind of light entertainment because obviously we didn't want everything to be negative, Kev. But uh, <laughs> we're looking ahead. We're looking ahead to the, the Hibs game. Uh, Ryan Christie. You know, he's the type of player that there was a, a period in his career that I thought he would have ended up at a club like Hibs. And look at him now, you know, he's he's obviously looking uh, to move down to England. I don't think that that's um, uh, any secret. Another thing to consider is that Bobby Madden will be refereeing the game. That's his first Celtic game of the season. Uh, the other referee who hasn't refereed a Celtic game is Kevin Clancy, interestingly enough. But he will be refereeing the Rangers game, won't he? Uh, Bobby Madden, I know that he's had previous, I know that uh, obviously Kim Tierney got his job broke and no action was taken. Um, I remember an incident in 2017 when Clint Hill skived Lee Griffiths mm-hmm. and nothing happened. But overall, and since then, Kevin, I mean, Bobby Madden, is he any worse than some of the refs we've had this season? Yeah, the, the standard of referee in Scottish football is absolutely horseshite. So, <laughs> Interesting description. It is, it is though, and we, we, can, we can dig ourselves holes talking about bias and that that we want, but if you, if you watch enough of Scottish football, you'll know. The standard of refereeing in Scotland is absolutely atrocious. And it is what it is. We just need to make sure that we're good enough on the day and put ourselves far enough in front that any sort of unconscious bias, absolutely horrendous mistakes, didn't cost us. Talking of unconscious bias, we've not actually mentioned this, but obviously you've seen the comments by the now former FA chairman the other day, uh, where someone really should have taken the shovel off him because he just kept digging, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a suggestion, obviously after our interview with John Barnes, um, a few months ago we spoke to Paul Elliott, and it was a very enjoyable interview, it's yeah. got to be said. I mean, the, the guy's brilliant to speak to. Um, is he a forerunner for the, the big job down, I, down I south? I hope so. He deserves it. Uh, from his campaigning point of view over the last, for, since he's retired, uh, what it would represent appointing Paul Elliott as the head of the FA. He's very articulate. He made the same points as John Barnes, but extremely a hundred times better. Mm. He, his view wasn't that. No, it wasn't out, different. It wasn't no. different from John Barnes, yep. but it was just the way that he put it across. Mm-hmm. Was And he never fell out of him. And he never fell out of you, no. Neither did Barnes, to be fair. 
enjoyed his time at Celtic as well. Oh, I, I, loved I loved the big fella. Mm-hmm. I, I loved, loved it. Fella. Imagine having somebody like that introduced to the SFA in the highest echelons of Scottish football. Wow, we can uh, all dream it. Eh? You know what I mean? I know that that would be steady. What's the guy there? The boy Maxwell, Ian mm. Maxwell, it's there now. Famed for creating Pat a Bonner, Patrick Thistle mascot. Pat Bonner spoke about, we were talking about Shane Duffy. Pat Bonner compared Shane Duffy to Paul Elliott the other week. Really? Aye. Aye. What did you compare it to again? Somebody carrying a fridge up a stairwell? Aye, but the fridge looks good. I prefer good Pat Bonner's. <laughs> but the fridge looks good when eventually you get it up the stairs into your house, mm-hmm. into the... The well, hopefully, hopefully, when it hopefully gets that's there, where Shane Duffy is now after uh, his performance yesterday. I mean, I'm, I'm clinging on to these hopes that hope, confidence Pat, will bring performance. What from Pat was going on about though, Paul, was the fact that it took Paul Elliott six months to settle in. It did. 16 bookings in his first mm-hmm. season, remember? Right. It did take him a while to settle in. Um, and I think that, you know, we've said it before, we've said it again. I think the Barkas and Duffy dynamic, if we can sort that out, Kevin, I don't even think that's as big a problem as the midfield. Um, issue that we've discussed but I think that is also an issue that we need to look at if we can see it the coaching staff surely can see it you would hope so. even though they've only analysed one game this season by all accounts um, loads of questions coming in if you are watching this on YouTube please remember to subscribe Kevin and I will be back later on this afternoon where we'll be doing a Schema Celica if you don't know what the uh, the whole concept is Kevin what is Schema Celica it's another Celtic State of Mind podcast it's another Celtic State of Mind podcast where I, I pick an album uh, which m- was big that year or played a major part in my life and we have a look at what was happening at C- Celtic at that time I then take it to what I'm calling the catching the butterfly moment if you think of chaos theory and the butterfly effect so I go back to that time and change one moment and see where it goes in history the sliding doors moment because that's how your brain moment. works you think about you know, universities in a different place and all that. It's great. It's great to so listen to. We do it with the football team and we do it with the music, the album as well. Imagine. So imagine. We go back to 2005. Today. Th- th- this afternoon. All right. May 2005? May 2005. Brilliant. So we'll be back in about an hour or so, Kevin. But uh, all that's left for me to say is Kevin Graham, one of the originals. Thank you once again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Thank you. and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad, because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. 
People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.